Ciao, listeners. Do you love traveling as much as I do? Have you ever studied dance or had an impromptu jam session in Italy? Well, today, my guest, Anthony, who has a passion for music and traveling, is now living in Italy. And today, he'll be sharing his knowledge about his adventures and advice about how to get around. Andiamo! Let's get to the dance floor. Ciao, I'm Anna Harsh, professional dancer, author, and host of The Dance Floor, a podcast that explores the power of dance in our lives through personal stories and interviews with experts. Each episode shares life lessons and advice through the art of dance. Learn how dance inspires confidence, fosters connection, and ways to improve your skills. Whether you are a seasoned dancer or brand new to the art, you'll find something that motivates you in this podcast. So grab your dance shoes and join me on the dance floor. Welcome back, listeners. I'm here with my new friend, Anthony. Anthony, introduce yourself and tell my listeners what's going on. Where are you now? Hello, Anna. It is great to be here. Uh, My name is Anthony Calvanese. Calvanese, as we say in the U.S., you know how it is. We like to change up the Italian pronunciation a little bit. Change it up. yeah, why not? Make it easy for everybody. Um, I'm living in I'm living in central Italy, in Umbria, and I moved here almost two years ago, which is hard to believe. Time flies. Um, basically, just kind of my quick backstory is I was a mechanical engineer, grew up just outside of Atlanta in the U.S., and kind of never really left my hometown more than, you know, 15 minutes outside of my hometown in terms I traveled but never moved elsewhere. And I just got this kind of itch over the last few years to do something abroad. And then I learned about uh, the possibility to get my Italian citizenship through my ancestry. And I went to Italy with my cousin, mainly as a vacation, but also as kind of a side mission to see, oh, if we wanted to do this process, we got to go get some of these documents. So let's go back to our ancestral hometown, which was a really amazing experience. And I was so like naive at the time. I didn't know exactly what to look for, but it was great nonetheless. And like everybody, I fell in love with Italy on that trip. And as more, the more I learned about the citizenship process, I learned that you can do it by living in Italy if you establish residency. And I was at a fortunate point where, like, okay, if I did take some time off of work, um, I could go over there and do this. And then, you know, long story short, some some health problems with some friends popped up. And a lot of signs were pointing to me saying, like, you know, it's a, it's cliche, but life is short. And like you could save all your money and retire early, quote unquote, one day, but your health is never guaranteed for any of us. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. So I thought there's no better time than now to do something a little bit reckless. So I basically quit my job and sold my house in the States and moved to Italy. And it was going to be just a year. And now we're going on two years. <laughs> oh, my God. And I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I talk a lot about taking a leap, no pun in dance and pun intended, but um, (laughs) taking a leap in life. And um, for us artists, you know, I think we take a lot of risks all the time, but sometimes we get to a point in the career and we're like, no, no, I need to do something that's steady and safe. I'm so glad you took that leap to shake up your life and just really change it completely. Yeah, it was something that like the old me five years ago wouldn't have done. Maybe five years ago, I would have done it. Not quite, but I have generally lived pretty safe. And I, so for, I surprised a lot of people with this decision. They're like, you went from just kind of playing by the rules to ba- making this big detour. And I'm so glad I did because I think a lot of people like me could use that kind of shake up to realize, okay, if you are in a privileged position and you have a supportive family and you have XYZ, 
Like, what is the worst going to happen? Okay, I go to Italy. I get homesick after six months. I hate it. I crash and burn. I go back. I still have my engineering license. I still have my, you know, what is the worst that can happen? For a lot of, not right. everybody, not everybody is so fortunate, but for most people right. that I know, I'll say, they could do that if they wanted to. So I love seeing other people do something similar, take some kind of leap. Yeah, I w- we were chatting earlier and that's what happened to me. You know, my life took a detour kind of after college. My uh, college thesis project turned into a full touring company and we just celebrated our 30th anniversary on tour. And we've traveled to Italy as well as a company. I took them um, back in 2000. We took a tour and we actually danced for Pope John Paul II, which was crazy experience. So for us artists out there, can you give us some tips of, you know, how do we travel safely? Any Anything that you can um, help us on our adventure that we'd like to take? Sure. Well, for me, uh, so I'm a guitarist. And now for the artists out there listening, true artists, uh, I <laughs> I don't consider myself among your ranks, but what I play is jazz manouche, also known as gypsy jazz. So I play guitar. It's an acoustic guitar. It's basically, uh, in a nutshell, it's basically French European swing from the 1930s. I can go into more detail on that if you want. But basically, I found that the best way to travel as a musician um, and probably just applies as an artist is talk to as many people as you can. If you see somebody with an instrument, we have a tendency to be a bit shy. Whereas to me, when I see somebody with an instrument, I'm going to ask them, what do you play? What kind of music do you play? And just strike it up. And maybe you play totally different styles. Or maybe you notice that somebody, <laughs> maybe you see somebody at like a, a bar with live music or something. Somebody's dancing and you're like, they're not just dancing for fun. They're like, they've got some skill there. And then you chat it up with them. It's like, you might learn more about what they're doing and what kind of style they do. Like, for example, here in Ubria, there's a there's a group here. It's a couple. Sara Luparelli, she is, I think her and her husband are the Italian champions for tango. She basically moved to Buenos Aires years ago, and they are exceptional. And now they teach classes here. And that's like tango in Italy. It's really, you know, it's not traditionally Italian, but there's so much diversity out there. So I just, I would just say, talk to as many people as you can, chat it up with strangers, go to live events when you're, when you're traveling and you're in a new city, look on Instagram, look on Facebook, look on, uh, what's it called meetup.com find what events around you whether it's like live music or dancing there's always something there is always something especially if you're traveling to italy i watched a woman in florence she was a busker and she was just dancing with this umbrella and she was doing a tango step um and she had a live accompanist uh with her a guitarist and it was amazing and i was so inspired that i came back and created a solo for myself for my next performance based on buskers in Italy, just teaching people about how that's a thing in Italy, you know, whether they're on a street corner playing their guitar or just singing opera. Um, She was dancing a tango. And so I used an umbrella to be my pretend partner on stage and again, was creative about it and just showing the more, the different lifestyle of what Italians are like, you know, what true Italy is like besides the stereotypical that we usually see here in the United States. So tell us some more about um, your musician. You did a jam session? Uh, I've done a few kind of impromptu jams. So basically, I, like I said, I play gypsy jazz, jazz manouche in French. They call it jazz manouche as well in Italy, I believe. And I've just played it kind of as an amateur in the U.S. I did probably two or three gigs a month, and I just love it. It's just, it's kind of fun acoustic swing. It's like more accessible jazz. It's not modern jazz. It's like a low 
you know, over my head in a lot of ways. It's just fun, cool, kind of poppy sound. It can be both very high energetic and exciting, but also like slow and melodramatic and kind of dark at times. So it's just fun music and it's very communal. So if you meet somebody else who plays it, there's a big thing like, let's get together and play. Or if there's a group of people playing, it's like, come in. It's kind of, I say it's like the bluegrass of jazz because it's very like, come, come one, come all. So of course I brought my guitar to Italy. I had to have it. So it's a must. If you're a musician, a you must. must bring. Yeah, you must. Yeah, that's you know that's why I don't play the piano. It's not because I'm not skilled at the piano. It's because I just choose not to play. Too large. Yeah, it's too large of an instrument <laughs> to bring. Um, <laughs> keyboard. Exactly. But I found uh, a few instances where it's it's come in real handy either to have the guitar or just to be in a setting where people know you also play this kind of niche style thing, which you're in the same position. You're in a very niche specialty of dance and when you meet right. somebody else who has that you're going to be bffs right away so you have no idea for me, <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> it's like all of a sudden you're connected at the hip and you don't, don't even know each other's names most recently i was in well i have a few stories if we've got time the first one is i was only in italy for a couple weeks after i had moved here and i had a friend i'll call her an acquaintance we'd only met once that lives in venice and i told her I'm going to come to Venice. I've never been. And she's like, oh, if you want, you can bring your guitar because I'm teaching a jazz vocals class this week. And my students have like their last day on Friday and they have to perform their songs. And if you want, you can sit in with the pianist and we can just all play together. So, of course, I was like, yeah, maybe I'll do that. It's like, hell yeah, I'm going to do that. So, you know, I brought my guitar and went up to this. It was in this guy, the pianist's apartment. And, you know, it's this big, beautiful piano with these big windows overlooking a canal in Venice. And I'm up in this room with all these strangers. And I only knew my friend just a little bit. And then there was also like a friend that I made in Florence that I brought with me, this girl from Argentina. And it was like, I just had a moment where I was just looking around playing. It's like, what am I doing? I don't know any of these people. And it's like, this is amazing. It's so amazing. Yeah, you it's get to so that point, and you kind of, you kind of go, well, how did, what exit did I take to get to this road? <laughs> how did exactly. I get here? So I, exactly. and I think that's part of the adventure, you know, is to be adventurous, do network, you know, that's always my tip for dancers, especially if you're in another country network, you know, network and do your research before you go. That's what I try to do as much as I can sure. is to organize those dance classes and, um, book a private lesson. I've done that for a lot of the classes that I've had, uh, which turns out to be longer than an hour. You <laughs> almost always they're just like, I'm so excited. You want to learn? I want to give you everything I have. So I've studied sure. in several regions now, which is great to like see different um, authentic dances come to life. Have you experienced any parades or dances you've seen in the piazzas or anything like that on holidays or just a t- random Tuesday? Um, I see what, what's really interesting about Italy is, and you know, cause you've been a lot is everything is very regionalized. So for example, here in Umbria, there's a lot of towns that during the summer they do different festivals and they'll, and this is kind of an Italy wide thing, but it'll be a town of say 5,000 people. And they have this festival that's what they do is they, it's kind of like the, the Palio, the Palio in Siena, the famous one yes. in Siena where they have the 17 horses, the, the 17 horse races because yeah, because there's 17 
basically neighborhoods within Siena, and they're all competing. And each of those 70 neighborhoods has a story dating back, you know, hundreds of years, thousands of years in some cases, I'm sure. And a lot of these small towns have something similar, but instead of having 17, they'll have two, three, or four. And if you go to these festivals, it'll be some kind of week-long thing where they have different kinds of events where everybody's dressed up in costume from the era of the history of their, their borgo or their barrio. And then they'll be serving food in different taverns from that era. And then they'll do different kinds of competitions where they'll do kind of reenactments. And a lot of them will be kind of a living museum where you walk through this period kind of old medieval path. And they'll just do all these old traditional dances from that time. And it's unfortunately, you know, it's not something you're going to see probably in the big tourist cities. You will have to go to a smaller town. But the experience, pick any town in Italy with more than like 5,000 people. I'm sure they have an annual festival of this sort. And if you go, you will see something that's totally different. And there's always going to be some kind of dancing and it's just fun. Now, what kind of dance it was I saw, I couldn't tell you because I'm not an expert. (laughs) That's okay. Just to know that that exists, you know, that's not a usual thing we have here in the United States. So it is rare to see and experience. And I think I would encourage musicians and dancers to go to those festivals, you know, go to those smaller towns that are off the beaten path is what I always recommend to people that, you know, there's a touristic cities, of course, that you should see once in your lifetime, of course, you should, but then go off the beaten path because then you're going to find the true local, what it's like to be a local. Yes. I got caught up in a parade literally in Naples a few years ago. And my cousins are like, Oh, you know, this dance, go, 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 go. So, um, I was part of the parade and did one of the tarantellas called Tamariata, which has castanets and it's a very localized thing there in the Campania region. And um, there are seven variations to that one tarantella style. <laughs> so I only know three so far, maybe four, but still looking into that one. Were they doing a variation that you knew? Okay. Yes, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so, like That's you said, amazing. You- no words were um, communicated. She, uh, One of the girls that was walking down the street and parading, um, she just looked over at me and she was like, you know this. You know what I mean? Like it was just that nonverbal communication. And we just started dancing, became partnerships right there, did some do-si-dos and, and some of the um, steps right there in the city. And my, my cousins were like, yeah, you know, cheering me on. And I thought this, oh, amazing. this is not what happens at home, you know? <laughs> So um, it is not. That is so true. You know, jump in and be part of their culture, you know, be a local and and do what they're doing. Just, you know, mimic like we do in dance, you know, do what they do. So it was really an interesting adventure and I loved it. And it taught me so much about the dance because it's not choreographed. It's all improvisational based on a call and response. One person is the leader. And the other person is the follower. So I was like, she is going to lead me. I'm going to follow and do what she does. So it's a conversation without words. I mean, that's what dance is. It's a conversation. It's a storytelling of emotions and ideas and history. Like you said, a living museum coming down the street. Mm. And I was like, I can't wait to be a part of this. So it was great. They had statues and confetti and all kinds of stuff. It was a saint's day, I believe. And they were processing to the church. That was the reason for the dance. Um, many of the yeah. dances are specifically for processions to the church. You know, today in the United States, you know, if we perform them, they're just for celebration purposes, but usually they're for saints days or celebrating or giving praise and honor. There's 
lots of reasons why these dances exist. And like I said, some of them are 2000 years old and possibly even older that I have. And some are just a handful of years, you know, like a hundred or 200 years old. So it's crazy. That's incredible. I know. So Umbria, I know um, I haven't been to that region yet, but Assisi, right? The city of Assisi is there. Are you near that area or what city are you in? What are you experiencing now in your region? Um, At the moment, I'm in Perugia, kind of passing through. But yeah, I'm nearby. It's all fairly close. So Assisi is probably 20 minutes from here. And um, it's all pretty close. and, And I don't even have a car. So for somebody to, and that's what I love about being in Italy is you don't need it, especially the further north you are. And I'm in the dead center. Now, if you ask people here, like locals, natives, they'll say, oh, you got to have a car here. Of course. that, I say, go to the U.S. and see that's where you need a car here. That's okay, definitely. sure, there's some days where it'd be nice to get to this small town, but it, right. it's totally fine without a car. So everything is close. And, and like a lot of Umbria and a lot of Italy is this way. You can just look at it on the map. A lot of these towns and cities are kind of like little islands. So a lot of the people that are from here have stayed here or they've left and come back. Um, So they've all developed their local dialects, their way of talking. They have specific, not even regional, but like town food. Like, oh, this is a recipe that they only make in Perugia. They only make in Assisi. And it's because if you look at them, they are just all clusters of little townships instead of a lot of stuff being spread out like we're kind of used to in the U.S., so that makes it really, really interesting. It kind of, it's kind of funny because you can be in a place in Italy and after you spend some time in Italy, like I'm in Umbria, if I meet somebody here from Naples or people from Sicily or people from Milan, you start to think like, wow, this place is so diverse and so international, but it's just people from other parts of Italy because there is so much variation, as you know. Right. And it's reflected in the dances. It's reflected in the food and even the wine. The wine is completely different from the north all the way to the south. You know, you're going to taste different kinds of grapes and spices sure. and fruits. I know when I go to Calabria, I, I spent some time recently in Puglia. Loved it. Mm. Loved it. It's like my new favorite region. Puglia. Shout out to Puglia. Love you all. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I traveled all the way from the top of Puglia almost to the bottom. You know, I even went to Taranto and Lecce and some of those wow. more further south. And all the dance moves are different region to region. That's incredible, isn't it? So you got to learn variations of the same dance. So it will vary from, like you said, maybe 20 minutes from here. Yeah. Now, are you focused mainly on, and I'm asking totally out of ignorance, do you focus mainly on southern dances, A, and B, if you go to the north, do you see a lot of like Austrian influence and French influence and Swiss? Yes. Exactly. You'll see a French influence. You'll see a waltz. You might see a German influence. Um, the posture changes completely. It's very upright and ballroom like. And then as you travel down the boot, you'll see what they did for a living farming, praying, you know, um, celebrating and just shouting and that kind of thing. There's different whistles and yells for calls. You know, if you hear a certain whistle or a yell, it means you have to change directions or might mean you need to change a move. In the South, they don't have what I call organized choreography. You have a set of steps, but it's call and response. You're going to go in the middle of the circle, do your thing with your partner and come step out. It's somebody else's turn. It's very community oriented and everybody in the circle is equal and considered family, part of the community. Further North relates to kings and queens in different time period. So it's very organized, very military-like. You have to be in a straight line. Where you are in line means something special, you know, closer to the king and queen or further from the king and queen, depending on how much power in the community you had then. So 
line dances. Uh, they'll either have lines or or squares or diagonals. Okay. Do you yeah. see what is the prevalence of the waltz in Italy? Is it pretty rare? It's not rare. Um, it's in mostly of the northern dances. You know, you're talking about okay. like Milan, uh, Venice, maybe a smidge of Florence as well. Okay. And you'll find those ballroom-esque styles, waltz especially, some kind of 3-4. But further south you go, if you get into the, you know, Campania region, Calabria, Sicily, they're going to have that 6-8 tempo. The lifestyle, even though it's slower paced in general, how they celebrate, it's very fast. <laughs> yes. You know, it's very 6-8 <laughs> tempo. Um, it's just <laughs> ironic. Fun. You know, if you go to Milan, it's like a very fast paced city, like New York City-ish. But they have the dances that are like, oh, no, I need to be slow and elegant. It's like, what is happening? It doesn't. That's interesting. Yeah. Because I play so with, with Jazz Manouche. Part of that kind of within that sphere is, am I going to say the right term? I think it's Musette, which is like French waltz. So it's a lot of French waltzes. So when I play that here, I wonder if people hear it and just think like, oh, that just sounds French. Or if they can relate it to music that they may you know, like traditional. Italian Absolutely. Music. Yeah, it's part of their heritage. You're going to see, especially the further north you go, you're going to see a lot of other cultural influences, you know, like the French, um, Swiss, German, all of those influences are going to sneak down into those upper regions of Italy. But the further yeah. south you go, they're very isolated and, you know, they don't have a lot of cultures that influenced except for maybe Turkish and Greek because before Italy was Italy, especially. more of a Greco-Roman feel. <laughs> Right, so, right. So we have some semicircles like Greek folk dances, and but it's mostly usually in a circle in the South. You know, you're you're part of okay. that community, and you know somebody initiates it, brings you in the middle, gives your time to shine. Everybody's cheering you on. You do your thing, and then somebody else goes in the middle. You won't find that in the North. There's nobody like, oh, it's your turn to waltz. No. <laughs> It's amazing how many parallels there are between this and just a lot of the culture in general, north to south. You know, the south has the stereotype of being more open and more friendly, and the north is a bit more, as you described. <laughs> 100%. And that's what I talk about in both of my books that, you know, I've learned personally so much about history just by studying their dances. And that cultural dance teaches us so much just by watching it, who they are, what they believe in. You know, what's powerful, who's powerful, um, what the climate is like just by their costuming. Um, you'll know mm -hmm. a lot about the people, the region and what to say or how to react to those people or what they believe in, too. You know, what kind of religion qualities that they have. You know, in the South, some of the dances were very ritualistic and the Tarantella was about, you know, ridding the body of poison from a wolf, uh, a tarantula mm -hmm. spider. So you know, they did these fast paced movements to sweat out the poison. People would play and chant and pray for them. The whole community would come out. And it was the reason for the dance. Today, we use it as a celebration, maybe at a wedding or, you know, cousin so-and-so is getting married. We got to do Tarantella. But the, the real authentic Tarantella is about a ritualistic of a prayer to heal someone. Mm -hmm. You know, how, so I talk a lot about how do we heal our community or what do you do to heal yourself? You know, when we have times of trouble or when you're sick, you know, do you have somebody that comes over and just sends you a bowl of soup? Uh, do they stick around and stay or do they just be like, here, here's your bowl. Thanks. Bye. You know, in Italy, they're like, it's a community. They're going to stick around. 
They're going to have a conversation with you. Yes. They're going to invite some, a few more people over to keep you company until you're well. And that's what it's like. Yeah. It's, it's, I think that's one of the things that like you're dancing or, or music, you know, music in a group with other people. It just brings people together in a really special way. People that don't even know each other. You could, like you said, with the woman on the street, you didn't speak the same language, but you could immediately click. And it's right. really special when that happens. And it's like, yeah. I was watching the, I'm sure you saw that documentary on Netflix. It's something, something, the Blue Zones documentary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And there was the episode in Sardinia, and it was the woman, the centenarian, the woman, and she was surrounded by all these friends, and most of them were 20, 30, 40, 50 years younger than her. And they're like, we think part of her health is the fact that we're here with her. We keep her company. They're not just doing all the tangibles, taking care of her, but they just spend time with her. Right. And that's the secret. There's a lot of health to be brought. That's the secret. It's like, that's a big piece, I think they think of the puzzle of longevity and just well-being. It's Sometimes when I get circle. new members, when I get new members into the company, I, I always say the magic doesn't happen until we start holding hands in a circle. And they're just like, what are you yeah. talking about? Like, lady, you are full of it. But it really does. It changes. It literally changes your vibration of your inter system of your body. The moment we start holding hands and the music come on and we have that, we're all in sync and rhythm. And something about being in rhythm with everyone on the stage all together, it creates a different vibrancy, you know, and frequency into the audience and the audience, you can tell they change. It's like, yeah, I'm vibing with you guys. And this is, you're lifting my spirits. Um, And literally we lift each other off the ground by jumping and turning. Like at some point, you know, you see the whole circle of people lifted into the air and it looks like we're floating. So it is magical. It is a magical moment. And it's hard to describe that until you participate and feel it. And yeah. that's why I always say, go network, you know, be, be in person with each other when you can and, and try that. Anthony, we're going to take a little teeny weeny commercial break, but when we come back, can we talk briefly about how can we be a dual citizenship for those of us that are Italian Americans, you know, searching to be a little bit more? Absolutely. All right. We'll be right back with Anthony. Are you ready to take your dance skills to the next level? Do you dream of performing on stage in front of a live audience? Well, now's your opportunity. Allegro Dance Company is always looking for new dancers to join our group. We're seeking talented, passionate, and dedicated individuals who are ready to showcase their skills and make a name for themselves in the dance world. Allegro has been entertaining audiences for over 30 years with dynamic showcases of authentic Italian folk dances, along with jazz, ballet, and yes, even a touch of ballroom. We're known for our high energy performances and innovative choreography. So what are you waiting for? Join Allegro today and be a part of history. Contact us on our website, allegrodancecompany.net, or stick around and chat with us after this performance. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Dance with Allegro. Welcome back, listeners. We're here with my friend Anthony, and we're talking about Italy traveling. And Anthony just went through the process of becoming a dual citizenship. So, Anthony, I know it's a long process and kind of expensive, but can you give us some tips of where do we begin? Sure. So the best way to begin is knowing or having access to chatting with your family to knowing where in Italy your ancestry came from, if you have Italian ancestry. That's step one is, are you Italian-American? Did your ancestors come from Italy? And ideally, you want to know some names and rough dates and from where. So I was fortunate where 
And a lot of Italian Americans were very passionate and attached to our family history. So a lot of us do know the town that the family comes from and when, but not everybody has that family information. So sometimes you need to hire a genealogist, but most people know where their family came from. And then the next step is determining, okay, when your ancestor came over, did they become a U.S. citizen? And if they did, was it before or after they had children? Because the way the law is written, and stop me if I go too in the weeds here, but basically the way the law is written, it says that the citizenship is passed on through birth. And prior to 1992, if an Italian citizen got citizenship elsewhere, then they by default gave up their Italian citizenship. Okay. So then if they then had a kid, they would not pass on the citizenship to that child. So what people need to check is, okay, well, I'll speak for my example. My great-grandfather came over in the early 1900s. Then he had my grandfather. And then he actually passed away before he naturalized. So he never naturalized as a U.S. citizen. Therefore, he passed on the citizenship to my grandfather, who then the subsequent generations would have to have voluntarily gone to the consulate and given up their Italian citizenship, which basically never happens unless they just really wanted to get rid of it. So as long as that didn't happen, which it probably didn't, then they pass it on. So my grandfather passed it on to my father who passed it on to me. And the way it works, it's, you know, kind of fun to think about. But if you qualify, you are already an Italian citizen, but the process gets your citizenship recognized. So they always say, get your citizenship recognized. And then what you have to do after that, does that all make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think on my mom's side, I believe both of my grandparents never became United States citizens. They never voted, never drove a car here in the United States. There you go. And they had nine children. God bless. There's a whole story there. Anyway, on my father's side, I, I want to say that they did become U.S. citizens, maybe. But I have to double check. I have all their records because I sort of started the process years ago. And then I was just like, this is challenging. I need help. So now there's companies that, thank God, help you. Yes. Yes. So what you need from there, once you find out you do qualify, is you need to get, let me back up. It depends on where you're going to apply. Most people doing this process, if they're Americans, are applying in a Italian consulate in the United States, and there's 10 of them. Okay. And you apply through the consulate that, jur- that has jurisdiction over where you reside. So you can't choose your consulate. So for example, if you live in Pennsylvania, you would be applying in the Philadelphia consulate. Yeah, I was going to say Philly. Sound- yeah. It should be Philly. Or like where I'm from, the state of Georgia, we would apply through Miami. And then you look okay. at the requirements set forth by that consulate, and you collect all the documentation that they ask for to prove that you are connected to this Italian ancestor that never became, that never gave up their citizenship before passing right. it on. And those documents usually include birth, marriage, and death certificates, the naturalization paperwork. And if there's divorces in the line, you'll need some divorce paperwork. If there's uh, adoptions or or births out of wedlock, there's all these things, you know, there's various moving pieces, but essentially you need all that. You need it all certified. You need to make sure all the names and dates match up so all the documents connect to one another because they want to see that chain. And then it all has to be translated to Italian, and then you would present it to the consulate. So it's a lot of paperwork. So that is why now with with a partner of mine, my business partner, we started a company to help other people do this because we did it ourselves. And we want to help other people do the same because like you said, we see this all the time. A lot of people do it DIY. But more people start at DIY and then lose steam because you look at all the requirements and you're like, it's too much. much. I have a job. I don't have time for this. And and we hate to say that because once you get the paperwork in, it's really just waiting. And 
the wait times, frankly, are not getting any shorter because more no. and more people are catching on to this. So right. the sooner you can do it, the better. So what we offer are basically guidance packages to walk people and just spoon feed every step of the way. That's awesome. This is what you got to do. So cool. it's, a, it's a great thing to take advantage of if people have that opportunity. I always get asked, and I was asked again this past year when I went to Italy, oh, you should stay and perform. You'll get paid. But I was like, no, I can't. I can't, I'd love to stay and perform, but I can't get paid. You know, I can't do that. Um, So yeah, that's something I keep thinking about doing and living somewhere in the South by a beach. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it seems like there's no reason for you not to. You basically, your whole life is around everything Italy. This is just the one missing piece. And and not even for people who are Italophiles and Italian traditional dance experts. It's anybody who wants right. to open up and unlock this and have access to live in not just Italy, but any of the EU member states. I was just going to say anywhere kids, in Europe. Yeah. Yes. And then your kids would inherit the citizenship as well. And then they would have access to European universities, which compared to the U.S. are low to no cost. Um, you have access to European healthcare and, and it's just in, you know, you can stay in Italy in your case or anybody's case, any country for more than 90 days. There's just no tourist limit. It's really special. That's what I would love to do to stay there longer so I can really research and really put my projects, um, you know, really finish it up and really get all 20 regions of dances and, and really have that historical, you know, knowledge so that I can pass it on to those people in the next generation, because there's nothing still here in the United States besides my two books and a few, maybe a handful of others and the documentary. So it's important to preserve this. Like I said, you learn so much history just by learning the dances and reading about them. Um, and you get to read my adventures, you know. So Anthony, I have a couple quick questions before we wrap up. They're just a couple questions that I put in my books after each chapter. I have like a handful of questions that the reader can kind of ask themselves to go on their own journey no matter what tradition or heritage they are, I think everybody has traditions that maybe they would want to think about. So there's just some life questions that I asked myself. So here's a question from book one. What do you consider to be your superpower? Oh, wow. Well, I feel so, uh, I feel like I feel kind a superpower. of conceited even saying it. I feel like I'm very good at connecting people and yeah. I get enjoyment out of that. Like when I'm in a social setting, and I know, oh, this person would get along really well with this person. Let me run around the room and grab the other person so they can meet each other. That's a great and, superpower. And I'm pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, that's brothers to tell me if I'm actually good at it. But I also just like including people like in conversations. You know, if there's if you're in a group of people and say there's five of you and you're chatting and, right. and the conversation is dominated by four people and there's one person that has no interest in this topic and they're just kind of tuning out. It's like, okay, how can we get them back in? Because they yeah. don't want to be here anymore. Um, that community. kind of thing. I just like, yeah, community, that kind of thing. I enjoy yeah. that. In the book, I talk about my superpower is being underestimated. Like when I show up okay. to a place, I'm giving a speech. They're like, what does she know? And then I give my speech. They're like, okay, I have lots of questions for her. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> or saying, oh, you can't do this. You know, there's no way you're going to, do you know insert here and then i end up doing that they're like man i sh- i should have believed her there <laughs> you go. There you go. so okay so that's a, one of the questions i have like 55 questions in the first book the second book i talk about northern italy and artwork and museums and things like that along with the dances from northern italy if you were a sculpted piece of art that reflected you what would it look like wow what a question <laughs> 
<laughs> These questions really make you look at like look at yourself in a positive light or like in a self-centered way. That's really interesting. Um, what would we do? Well, it was based on King Louis. I mean, <laughs> yeah, uh, I would probably be in exactly the position I am right now, which is, you know, there's like the thinking man. It would be some version of that where I'm just like sitting okay. and pondering the answer to a question yeah. because like, because I habitually overthink a lot of things. It wouldn't be like a thinking like, oh, what a Renaissance man. He must be thinking brilliant right. thoughts and be like, <laughs> He's what, like, what am I, I having for lunch? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. My, I, I talk about mine, you know, to leave a legacy behind. I really would love to build a park here in the United States and different dance statues along the path that are lit and they would teach you something as you see each statue and I saw the statue, I think it was in Bari, and it looked like um, the Statue of Liberty, kind of, but she was like in motion and it looked like wind and she was forward. I was like, well, that's what I want. I want a, a statue of me like in motion with a tambourine that has ribbons that are just yes. you know, flaring out in motion. Anyway, there's there's a lot of thinking questions that I have for the reader after each chapter, and it was just something that I wanted to have the reader experience because I kept asking myself, well, if I was a statue, what would I look like? You know, or That's what would great. I want it yeah. to be? Leave a legacy behind. Yeah. Great question. Well, last question, Anthony, what does inspire you? I mean, Italy is so inspirational in general, but you know, when you're at that low point, you're like, man, I'm having a really rough day. What inspires you to keep you motivated? Uh, I would say two things would be connecting with new people and doing something of service to somebody else providing a service to somebody that they find useful. And they're like, okay, thank you. This actually really helps me out. I mean, those things, if it's not for yourself, make it for somebody else. Amen. That makes me sound much more noble than I actually am. So <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> Listen, Italians should always, we know better. And when you go to someone's house, if you're invited to someone's home, you always bring a gift. Always. There you go. And it, it's part of that. I respect you inviting me into your circle, into your space. And I'm so grateful for you being into our, you know, your life. So I think, yeah, just being part of community. I think those are all good things that we've talked about today and just networking. Don't be afraid to take that leap, you know, whether it's dual citizenship or just getting out of the country and going to a new culture and experiencing something new. Absolutely. I totally agree. Taking that leap, doing something different doesn't have to be selling your house and quitting your job and moving to another country. It could just be, you know, starting a new relationship, getting a different job or leaving your job for a few months to find something new and not moving. You know, it doesn't have to be so drastic. But right. Right. Questions about any of the citizenship stuff, they can feel free to contact me or Italy travel in general. I also have an Italy travel blog. I've been to all 20 regions and I just love sharing what I've learned with people. And if they want recommendations for things to do, places to go, et cetera, feel free to reach out. So your website, how can we follow you? Is it quasiitaliano.com? Is that your? Quasiitaliano.com. And for an easier spelling, you could just go to italytravelhelp.com and that will get you to the same place. And then you can also follow me on Instagram at quasiitaliano.travel. And I do stuff on there like travel recommendations and just kind of funny cultural things. It's a little bit for everybody on there. Yes, I love your website. It is so filled with all kinds of great tips and advice. So if you're listening and you're like, yeah, I think I want to finally take that trip to Italy, go to Anthony's website and explore it. And if you have more questions, you want a conversation with him, maybe have a consultation with you, right? You do those types of services as well. Absolutely. 
go hit up Anthony. He has lots of knowledge about this and he is there. He's waiting for you in Italy. So Anthony, thank you so much for sharing all your advice and great conversation today. Please come back to the dance floor and share some more knowledge with us in the future. I'd love to. Thanks for having me on, Anna. Thanks for listening today. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to The Dance Floor. I'm your host, Anna Harsh. And until next time, keep traveling and moving on the dance floor.